this morning we've got a couple guests who will be joining us right now and they are from Minnesota State. One is the director of the Castle Peace Institute here on campus and that is Jamil Huck and he has brought a student with him this morning and my student that he has is Cole Coots, a poly science sophomore here at Minnesota State and I want to welcome you both to the show. Thank you, Karen. There you we go. Wanna, we want to express our appreciation for having us. They so say. Cole here has been working with the Kessel Peace Institute on our activism on campus right now, particularly as pertains to the situation in Gaza and Palestine. And we're here today to talk to you about a resolution that we are trying to bring to student government. Are you in the class with Jamil or how did you come about being an activist to want to bring a resolution to the student council? Well, I met Jamil in November, uh, freezing outside of the CSU, okay. holding signs with other students, um, sort of bringing to light the, the situation uh, in the Middle East. And I I sympathize with Jamil. <laughs> so I, I stuck around with him and we started to develop a strategy after the holidays to uh, actually get something done. And this has sort of been the product of it. Well, so you're a political science major and also sociology major, correct? Yeah. So what is your hope initially when you come to school to Minnesota State? You, you major in that. And what are you thinking you want to do? Did you have anything set in <laughs> mind? And maybe it's changed as uh, you have been here for a couple of years? The purpose of my major, at least still now, is to graduate from college and go off to law school and hopefully become an attorney change the world on a client-by-client -client basis is kind of how I've uh, thought about it. But the the reason I'd consider an attorney is because it's a bit of a more solid career path <laughs> than a <Yeah>. politician. <laughs> right. <laughs> Other, otherwise, I'd love to do something like that. But, you know, here we are. Yeah. So now you have brought a resolution that you want to bring before the student senate, correct? Yes. What is that all about? So the, the title of the resolution sort of speaks for itself. We call it the Resolution to Protect Pro-Palestinian Voices. And uh, very simply, we want to sort of dispel some sort of myths about pro-Palestinian sentiments here on campus and protect them in ways that other forms of free speech haven't uh, quite been, especially on other campuses. So where students at Cornell or Harvard have faced academic discipline, have uh, sort of been doxxed, have been harassed by other students and off-campus organizations. We kind of wanted to take the proper precautions here on campus for our movement and for uh, students who happen to be pro-Palestine. And there are quite a few. Uh, and this university is a very diverse one. And the, there are plenty of students who, there are some students who are directly affected by what's going on in the Middle East right now. And they deserve to have their voices preserved just as much as any other student, so. Have you seen much pushback at all, you know, that you've been out doing these things? I know you with with Jamil, because we've chat, chatted before about the situation. So let's talk a little bit about that. Jamil, maybe you can add on that. Well, I think our resolution is more uh, preemptive than it is reactive. Okay. Because here at MSU, I, I've had a couple issues with the Minsk U office asking me not to hold events. Oh, really? Um, but... Actually, on campus, we haven't had much pushback. The thing is that the student handbook protects free speech at MSU. However, other universities have weaponized uh, their own student handbooks to punish students who 
speak out in favor of human rights for Palestine. Basically, the the, the statement that Palestinians are human beings and deserve to be treated as human beings has become a political statement in this country and one that actually gets people uh, a considerable amount of flack for saying it. So we have seen a huge swell of support from the student body. In fact, just in about a week, we collected over 500 signatures. And it's not campus right now. If you're on campus, you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of dead. There's not a lot of students around. So you're right. That it means, is quite a quiet. <laughs> that means just about every single student we've approached has been willing to sign this resolution protecting our free speech. And I'll, I'll see. Cole, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I, I just want to. I want to say that this is the first of many conversations that we're starting with the student body that have been um, informative and have kind of brought me closer to the public opinion in Mankato. And students on campus are generally apathetic towards a lot of things. Yes. It's hard to convince the student on campus that they should care about politics because they are you know, they have to care about class first. They have to care about if they're going to pay rent or what they're going to do this next Tuesday with their friends. So to to get 500 students to agree on something on a campus this large is a pretty considerable achievement, and we're bringing it forward to the student government as such. Do you have that resolution as written that you could read so we know what it says? Is that, uh, yes, is yes. I have, the, I have the resolution as written. It, it has quite a few clauses. Okay. Um, I, it would be a very long. Well, yeah. could we some maybe we could sentence. summarize it I, so if it's yeah, I, I think we could get uh, it'd be like going to legal class and you're not interested in maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think <laughs> so. Let's summarize it. Uh, so to summarize the the resolution in the clauses where we talk about why we're proposing the resolution, we acknowledge a couple things, particularly a rise in Islamophobia in the United States after the October seventh incident. And we sort of seek to dispel this inflation between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism, as well as point to the student handbook and say, this speech should be protected, as with any other form of speech here on campus. And we want to have these uh, assurances in the future. Now, when we go to the, the parts of the resolution that we are asking from, from the student body, uh, we're asking the student government to release a statement sort of condemning uh, this Islamophobia that's happened since October 7th to clarify uh, that anti-occupation or anti-Zionist uh, sentiments aren't anti-Semitic. And to, I think, the, the largest clause, the one that I will repeat verbatim and the one that I think should be regarded as the most common sense a piece of the resolution is that MNSU will not engage in academic discipline, penalization, or suppression of students and faculty expressing uh, pro-Palestinian beliefs. What have been some of the cases in other schools where they have done punishment and for what? Yeah, I think I think Cole's got a couple of cases prepared to talk about today. Yeah. So at campuses, they're typically much larger, more expensive, sort of very prestigiously held universities. Like you mentioned, Harvard, Yale. Yes, Harvard, yeah. Yale. Mm -hmm. So you had seen some executives of these universities went forward and testified before Congress to sort of enlighten them on the state of the situation. And it was a pretty, <laughs> it was a pretty negatively held uh, reception there. Senators sort of ridiculed uh, members of these universities and the executives of the universities themselves couldn't find it within them to clarify this false conflation of anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism on campus. So that was a failure on an executive level and they had sort of faced repercussions. The Harvard University president stepped down uh, after that. 
But on a student-to-student basis, you are seeing in universities like uh, NYU, they put forward their own resolution because students were being doxxed, students were being threatened. There were members of organizations who had their faces uh, printed out on buses that parked around campuses sort of declaring them anti-Semites when in fact they had simply held <laughs> uh, an opinion on American foreign policy. They, they wanted this, this oppression of Gazan people to end. There was a, a, a case recently at the University of Minnesota, right in our, uh, our backyard, where a professor in a job interview, now mind you, this isn't a lecture, this isn't a classroom, it's literally a job interview, pr- expressed some pro-Palestinian sentiment and was doxxed, meaning she had her face put on a website called Canary Mission uh, with all of her contact information, and they have been receiving death threats and uh, threats. Uh, people are calling the school to tell them to fire her. She didn't get the job uh, that, that they were applying for either. And these sorts of things, I think, are less likely to happen here in Mankato. However, they are possible. And when we're talking about anti-Zionism versus anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism is a critique of an uh, ethnic nationalist uh, ideology rather than of an ethnic group or a religious group that is anti-Semitism. So expressing a critique of a, of a form of nationalism and conflating that with anti-Jewish sentiment has been a way that the our country has shut down all debate about what is going on right now in Gaza, and especially as things get worse and worse and worse right now. So you were going to bring this before the Student Senate, correct? And tell me where that's at. Last uh, week I got a note from Jamil that basically said the resolution won't be voted on until next week, which is this week. So you wanted to talk about that. Now, where are we at now? What's <laughs> happening? So so you, you've got these 500 signature, which I assume is a, a number that you needed to bring, yeah. bring it to before the More Senate? So the, Senate? The, the significance of 500 signatures is that 250 pretty much accounts for a department on the university okay. in terms of student enrollment. So we had roughly the representation of two senators uh, behind the bill. Okay. And um, you, need, you need two senators to bring a bill forward. Okay. Yes. So, so do you have that? We had two senators. Oh. The, what happened on this Wednesday was we used the open forum to uh, put forward the bill as we can and then said we need two senators to sponsor this bill. We did have two senators, but one did not show and the other did not chose not to vote uh, in favor of our bill. So we had lost the support that they we needed. They just abstained from both. They abstained. <laughs> oh. There was a point in which it looked like the Senate was calling for any sponsors, which was then shut down due to protocol and then never returned to. So that was my impression of it. I was just an observer, fly on the wall, so to speak, in the back, <laughs> trying to huh. let the students speak for themselves. And cool. oh, Just very quickly, it seemed like the, the conversation was taken away from us and sort of steered in an entirely different direction where we had no control over the meeting anymore. We tried to convince the vice president and the president, hey, we need to return back to the to the bill here so we can propose it so it can become a new business and be talked about next week. And they said that the procedure for doing so would take, it would be incredibly hard to pull off. Because <laughs> yeah. they... Uh, because they had consented to the agenda of the meeting. And so if we were to go back, we would have to get a majority of the senators to agree to not consent to the agenda so they could bring forward new business again. So we could propose it so that we could hopefully get two senators, which one of them had abstained originally, Hmm. to support the bill as we proposed it. 
which they it's not technically wrong that that would be very hard to pull off but it wouldn't have been very hard to pull off if we had our senators and they did as they had told us they would and um and the procedure of the meeting hadn't completely left before we could present our narrative and be heard. Now, in all fairness, they're not here to defend themselves, so I don't know if they said anything to you why they chose, did, if you had a chance to say, well, why weren't you there? Why didn't you decide to change your mind? Or We're trying to focus less on recriminations and more on what to do moving okay. forward. Okay. Yes, <laughs> um, I know you're all about the Pes- Kessel Peace Institute. Yeah. I get that, yeah. So I was just curious, though, if you know there was some obvious thing or they thought that there was there was harm or something that was going to come by doing this? or uh, Because you're basically saying we want free speech on this, right? Yes, exactly. yeah. Uh, precisely the point of the resolution is to make sure that free speech in all of its forms are protected especially pro-Palestinian speech. Are, are, they, af- are they afraid like it's going to bring the issue up and then maybe we'll get yes, a problem yes. because I think of it? it? I They'll think just ignore it and it'll go away. Yes. yes, I think it's an aesthetic oh. issue for the university where if they listen to this sort of, if they, if they allow the speech to happen and if they allow us to continue to raise our voices, they will face opposition from off-campus institutions where mm. they might not have before. Now, the problem with that is that us raising our voices is kind of an inevitability uh, because the situation worsens and people need to hear about it. And I think people can only stay neutral on this issue for so long. Cole, what makes you so passionate? I'm just curious. You know, you're young. You're such a young person. You're just experiencing life now. And what brings you to the forefront to say, I need to speak up? Um, There are a lot of things you're not taught in high school. And, and one of those issues that I hadn't completely grasped until I hit college was what the United States did during its involvement in the Vietnam War. And it's considered a, a wholly unpopular war now mm-hmm. because what we did is we took a hazy ideological justification to, to occupy and terrorize a, a native population in a country that we have no business being in. And we, we stood on that justification and brutalized so many, so many people, millions of people, amounting to what some would call a genocide. And we essentially walked away from the situation. And historically, it's now uh, sort of lamented upon as a failure. (laughs) And this is a repetition of the same failure uh, that we're kind of seeing overseas, where we have the opportunity to stop arming a, a state that we are completely um, complicit in arming them so that they can go ahead and oppress and destroy this marginalized people within its borders. It's just a repetition of American history that I had to struggle to come to an understanding about. And it's, it's one that kind of infuriates me. <laughs> uh, there, are, there are real people at the other end of this conflict. There are roughly like 30,000 now that have died. And I think the fact that we have within our grasp the ability to stop the situation, to speak up and ask demand of our government that they uh, institute a ceasefire and stop sending aid to Israel. And we need to it's because we have this opportunity that we need to exercise our voices. We need to say something. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a very long-winded way of me <laughs> well, <you know, laughs> going about the situation. Yeah. Uh, but 
I'm passionate about the issue because my voice matters now and not in retrospect when we can look back upon the issue and say that was another failure. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? One yeah, of those, yeah. I, I have no room for woulda, coulda, shoulda anymore. <laughs> right, <good. laughs> we have plenty of history to, to look back upon and say that we, we shouldn't do this ever again. You know, Cole, my, I have a high school son who was very much of the same mind as you and, and believes in speaking up and doesn't like how things are going too. So I've, you know, I hear this from him and he's a little younger than you. So I think he feels like he can't speak up sometimes too. So and um, the fact that you're doing it, would you have felt that comfortable in high school or is it because we have a place like the Kessel Peace Institute where you feel more confident that you can do this? Um, I'm going to be honest. I graduated from a high school sort of in a, in a suburb and so a lot of the the curriculum that I had obviously with respect to my high school teachers a lot of them were inspiring to me a lot of it didn't address these issues in the way that I had come to understand them here in college so were I to feel passionate about these issues even back then I probably would have spoken up but I hadn't felt passionately because I didn't quite understand the nature of the situation I think that's just a a sort of an aspect of the American educational system anyway Um, My my son says the same thing about the way history and sociology is taught. Sometimes they don't bring some of those things up. You just sort of gloss over them. Is that how you felt? Yeah. Yeah. I I went through high school without knowing a a myriad of things that I wish people had told me uh, Mm -hmm. before. And and I don't fault my teachers for it. I sort of fault the curriculum um, because it's outdated and and, uh, things need to be done in education. What next? I mean, you you've got to this point, you got those all those signatures and you were basically kind of thought this was going to happen this week and sort of got pushed back and said, eh, well, <laughs> we're not doing anything. Well, it's, it's been made apparent that representatives of the student body haven't quite grasped what 500 signatures implies, mm-hmm. what it means to have 500 students to agree on something. Could you get them all to come to a meeting, for example? I mean, if you, did <laughs> if you did something like that, that would really show them that they were serious. Well, I mean, you're getting ahead of us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the plan. We're going to hold okay. a sit-in with uh, members of our email list, and we're going to have everyone who can mm-hmm. come to this meeting and sort of explain why they believe that representatives of their respective department should, should put forward this issue and vote upon it the next week. We have our voices. We have a list of voices of of students who agree with us and would like to see this resolution put forward. We need to make sure now that the student government hears them and that they they take this resolution more seriously. And what do you think once this passes? What what happens then? Is it just a matter of the fact that it's here? Will it protect you? Will it, what will it actually do other than be in the records? Um, It's kind of representative of a larger movement between campuses. We have, we're communicating now with the University of Winona and students are putting forward a very similar draft of a resolution because they had seen, they had seen our own. So what I would like to do, what I would like to see at the end of the day is a cooperation between universities, sort of a, a condemnation of the current situation from the educational field. And I think it can be done, but it's going to take lots of time, and it's going to take resolutions like this. Have you approached the system, the university system at all, or is that the next step down once you work in your own, within your own university? Well, or there's, how does... there's some coordination that we have where we will be approaching the IFO, okay. the union. As far as like the system office, I don't know. I do, I do want to say real quick that when I started holding these protests back in the uh, end of October, 
it was me basically holding a sign by myself. Really? And yeah, then, yeah, because I remember way back when, you know, yeah. Then a couple <laughs> students joined and then a few more and a few more. And we have a mailing list with about 150 students. And we got these 500 students that signed this thing. We got Cole and Natalia, who are both two superstar undergraduates who've been mm-hmm. doing a ton of work on this. And it's heartening to see that the momentum for this is growing at a campus that was particularly politically moribund. Like there was nothing happening uh, at MSU after COVID. Like COVID really knocked a lot of things oh, yeah. down. But we are, and we're planning a, a month full of activities in March. And we're looking forward to the warmer weather for some uh, outdoor protests. Okay, well, I got a, I got a, a text from one of our listeners that said, I like the interview. The first genocide of whites was against the Indians. So somebody listening in on this is saying this is a glad to hear you guys are talking. So obviously you're not the only ones thinking this way. Well, thank you. So yeah, so thanks listeners for, for weighing in. What will we hear from you next? Uh, the hope is that if I come to you next, it's because we passed the resolution okay. and we have more organizing planned here on campus. In the event that we don't, pass the resolution, you'll probably still hear from me (laughs) (laughs) and we'll probably be organizing faster and more angrily. Um, Well, you know, that's the thing I think people worry about is is um, violence and things like that. You know, we've just witnessed so much violence. So that that's maybe a concern. Will this bring violence is something if people don't agree with you. And I know you're all Abs- about peace. Absolutely not. You know, and, yeah, because we want to talk we, peace. <laughs> we have uh, we have uh, uh, kept our plans to stick meticulously to the student handbook, mm-hmm. which obviously uh, issues of violence and uh, and actions that are violent uh, would be not welcome in our movement at all. Sure. So we will actively be working against that. How do you feel, Jamil, being the first person and now you're getting people to finally join you? Do you ever get pushback from anyone, whether it's a system or anything that that says, oh, come on, Jamil, just let it rest? Yeah, I think we do get a lot of pushback from people, other faculty members and the system office that have been like, you are only presenting one side. And the, the basic truth of that is that there is one side who is being killed, displaced and oppressed right now by another side that we are actively funding. So we have a real buy-in into this, right? It is U.S. tax dollars. It is, uh, in some instances, U.S. soldiers and U.S. weapons that are actively killing people in Gaza right now. People who literally have nowhere to go. And we are speaking up for them, and we might be punished for doing that. So this is what we're asking. We're asking to be allowed to speak up for human beings who are being oppressed and killed. And we are asking to our government to help those people by basically stopping aiding a horrific thing that is happening right now in Gaza and and, and soon to see in Rafah. Uh, During the Super Bowl, uh, the Israeli army bombed the safe zone in Rafah while Americans were watching Usher. Uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) The people I was watching with, Karen, they literally screamed when Usher took his shirt off. So it was was pretty distracting for America. (laughs) For the record, I did too. (laughs) (laughs) I just screamed we all screamed Um, (laughs) so things are getting worse and this has been going on since October 7th we're we're like whatever like 125 days in now right so uh, we we need to wake up our conscious conscience and say as Americans as Cole said like this is something we are doing it's not something somebody else is doing we are doing this 
Well, I want to thank you guys. You keep us up to date on what happens. Sounds like you're not going to have any votes this week like you had initially anticipated. No. So you'll just have to kind of let us know what's happening. And I applaud you for for standing up and, and speaking up. I mean, as a young person, I don't know that I would have had that in me to, to do that. So I really... <laughs> applaud you. I don't know about you, Jamil. Maybe you were like this when you were a kid too already. <laughs> no, you know, I, I've been really inspired by Cole, by Natalia, by all the other students that have worked with me this semester. I, I've been putting, I would say, about 20 hours a week into this, which Dean Brown, if you can hear me, that should be two course releases, I think, every <laughs> semester. So I, I should basically be be teaching one right. class a semester. Right. Um, but it's been, the workload has been worth it because of these students. These students have amazed me at every step. And I, I'm really proud of them, and it's been an honor to work with them. Make me feel a little, uh, a little, a little uh, teary-eyed, honestly. Well, thank you both. We have been uh, talking with Jamil Huck, who is the director of the Kessel Peace Institute here on campus, and Cole. Coots, make sure I say that right. <laughs> you got it. A student who is is a part of this whole uh, bringing the resolution to the student government and is also a poli-sci major here at Minnesota State, only a sophomore. So uh, we'll we'll keep in touch, okay? Yes. Thank, Thank you, you so bo- much, Thank Karen. you both. Thank I you. appreciate it.